Talk 1110-993-WBT. Former Mecklenburg County Commissioner Karen Bentley is uh, one of the candidates running for Congress in North Carolina's new 13th district, part of which does include Mecklenburg County. She joins me now. Welcome to the show, Karen. How are you? I'm great, Pete. How are you? I am doing well, doing very well. So um, this area that's included in the 13th, if I remember the map correctly, let's see, it goes like on the western side of the county and it kind of wraps up to the north end. Is that the extent of the Mecklenburg County portion? And that is, it picks up Pineville as well. So okay. yes, it does dip a little bit south also, but you're correct. And then it goes Gaston County, Cleveland County, Rutherford, Polk, McDowell, and Burke County. And you filed okay. the paperwork to run for this congressional seat. Um, and so I've been away for a while, but I wanted to ask, like, uh, have, have you been engaged in politics since I've been gone? Not that you mark your calendar by how long I've been here or, or not. But um, over the last eight years, when I left, you were still on the county commission, I believe. I was. I was. Yeah, I stepped away in 2014. I uh, felt like my work there was done. I'd successfully uh, shepherded the uh, redo of the revaluation through, which ultimately got $120 million back in the pockets of taxpayers and really felt like my work was done. And I had just wrapped up graduate school at Chapel Hill, and it was time for me to, to really put both feet in a career. But, you know, politics is in my blood, and I've, I have stayed uh, involved, although not as an elected official. And so you saw the redrawing of the lines. Um, and like, when did it dawn on you or, or were you watching it? Like hoping that you like you were going to run for some office and just seeing which, uh, which uh, lines were going to be drawn where, like, how did you come to that decision? Yeah. And that's a great question. You know, I, I had, you know, my mindset was, you know, if, if at some point in my life, uh, you know, I had that trifecta of, um, time, opportunity, and and uh, desire that I would really take a serious look at a congressional run, and I, you know, I just had a sense that, particularly with the growth in North Mecklenburg, that we would end up in a different congressional district. Didn't know which one it would be. Um, obviously, knew we were going to get a net new seat. Um, so I really started thinking seriously about taking a look at it. And thinking through, you know, if the opportunity presented myself, would I be ready to jump in? And and here we are. Uh, you know, it really couldn't have been a better circumstance for me to make the decision to jump in. So why the federal level? Why go for the congressional seat from a county commission to a federal seat seems like a big jump. So why, why, why go for that seat? Well, you know, the, the, federal, the federal issues are you know, have always been um, very top of mind for me when we look at, um, you know, the size of the federal government and, frankly, the, the, the disalignment or misalignment of our Constitution and our, you know, the constitutional responsibilities of the executive branch and, and Congress. And, and that really has been always an interest of mine. And, you know, particularly when we look at the last 10 months, I mean, it is just breathtaking, um, the executive branch overreach that we are experiencing. And I, it, it just, I could not sit on the sidelines. And I just felt like, you know, it's, I, I need to extend my time and talents uh, in a role that where I, I can have an impact on this constitutional disorder that we're all experiencing. So, and, and this is a... Uh... Well, I'll, I'll frame it as a question. Are you um, worried that there are too many people at the legislative level that are okay with 
ceding power to an executive branch because then they just get to keep running for re-election and they don't actually have to make any decisions? <laughs> well, you know, that is a great question, Pete. And, and I, think, I think a good case in point has been the, the debate and discussion around election integrity over the last several months and really getting clarity on what rightfully is the state legislature's responsibility versus the federal responsibility or even an unelected bureaucrat's responsibility. And I, you know, I do think it's time for state legislatures to really own what their responsibilities are, but moreover, for Congress to recognize what their responsibilities are, where those lines are. And when we look at the growth and the scope and, and size of the federal government, um, much of that occurs to the detriment of the state, the state legislatures, and, and certainly the citizens. So um, you want to uh, reduce the scope of the government. What uh, specifically do you have in mind? Well, you know, for instance, when we when we look at um, when we look at uh, education as an example, although you know local and state funding is most is mostly what is comprised of local school budgets, you know there are a lot of strings attached with federal dollars that come to schools funding. So really taking a close look, um, a close look at that and what is, you know, rightfully belongs with the state. Um, election integrity as well. You know, what, what is the responsibility of the state level versus what is the federal government doing currently? Um, and certainly what the Biden administration is looking at for, um, you know, kind of universal mail-in ballots. Um, those would be two examples that I would think of right off the top of my head. So you know what would happen, though, as soon as you start talking about any kind of change to the status quo with federal education funding, you're going to be accused of, you know, wanting to deprive children of an education, mm-hmm. specifically minority children, poor children. So what's what's the response to that line of attack that surely will come? Well, you know, I, I think that's a red herring. Um, when we look at the the duties, responsibilities, and power of the local school boards, that's really where policy and funding decisions, along with the county commission and state level, that's where those decisions rightfully belong. And, you know, the, the local boards um, are the most accountable because they're closest to the people, and they have a great responsibility to ensure that, you know, every child, regardless of zip code, has the opportunity for a great education. Um, also, uh, you spent a lot of time in the healthcare sector. So, real quick, how do you fix the healthcare system? <laughs> in a minute, what do you? <laughs> oh boy! Oh, yeah, no. Well, if what... I had a magic wand. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? I mean, are there are there are there like uh, like big fixes, uh, but would be really heavy lifts, or is it just like a lot of small things that you would look to do? Oh, boy, you know, that is a big onion to peel, Pete. And I think it really takes a a broad effort on the part of the Republican Party to come up with a plan. And, and, and I, I'll talk about this on my issues page on my website is coming together with a plan that is implementable, if you will. And I know that's not a word, but <laughs> and acknowledging that this is a long term endeavor. And it will be met with resistance from, you know, entrenched bureaucrats and kind of the D.C. elite and the lobbyists, frankly. There's a lot of money in Washington that desires to keep the status quo. 
And so I'm under no illusion that, you know, even small changes in the structure and the incentives based on healthcare choice um, will be met with great resistance. But I do think that we owe it to our citizenry to take a really close look at what changes do we make that maintains access to care, again, regardless of zip code, but also gives people choice and ultimately reduces the cost. Does that mean unwinding Obamacare? It very well could. Yeah. Um, It's one of the criticisms I had of the GOP was after they got uh, back into power in the Congress, they were not able to or or will or they were unwilling to um, change Obamacare to repeal Obamacare and the famous, you know, McCain uh, no vote. But um, and, and it seems like that that I think probably incredibly destructive uh, to the credibility of the Republican Party and a lot of the people that were promoting that as uh, one of their planks in the platform. And then as soon as they had the power to change stuff, they didn't. And yeah. how do you get people to trust you again if that's an area that you want to see changed? Well, and, you know, that's a fair point. And that, that is a frustration that, that I have had as a private citizen and certainly my circle of influence, you know, when we're around the table uh, having a conversation about this. It is that frustration where, you know, we as Republicans get elected or we elect Republicans to get to get up and get the job done, but then they don't for whatever reason. Um, You know, and also important to note, it takes more than one person to get it done. It really does take a collaborative effort with Republican colleagues, you know, to build a coalition within the party to pull a plan together and a commitment to see it through. Um, and, you know, and that's, you know, my record speaks to that. I think it really takes someone in District 13 to be able to build those coalitions within the party and to not alienate um, fellow Republicans, because there's a lot of work to do. And we have to deliver on behalf of our citizens. We don't we don't have time to waste. She's running for Congress. She's a former Mecklenburg County Commissioner, Karen Bentley, and the website KB4NC, kb for the number four nc.com right that's the i think i got that correct kb4 nc all right and people can read about you they can read about the uh your position on the issues and such uh and we'd love to have you back on the program karen bentley thanks so much for your time thanks pete